are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. So I like to think of this time of year as the season of harvest. It's also spooky season for many as we are getting closer to Halloween. So I thought that today's episode is in perfect timing. Now recently on Yoga Podcast, we had a great chat about romantic love, romantic relationships, and yoga, in particular the chakra system, how you can utilize that system of alignment for yourself and potentially for your partner. But we also tapped into a little bit of a discussion. I don't know, discussion, I'm talking to myself here, me in the mic maybe. <laughs> but We tapped into this thought of the shadow side and I was kind of just glazing past the subject, the topic, but today I thought it would be poignant to delve deeper into it. So welcome and thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Before we get started, let's take a quick little break as I remind you all of where you can find hundreds of audio yoga classes for free by visiting lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I'll meet you on the other side. Hey yogis, find a new feature at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out today's show notes for a link to where you can find over a hundred free audio yoga classes. Simply pick your class, press play, and I will meet you on the mat. Namaste. Welcome, welcome back. So as we begin to dig into this subject, I think it is interesting because when you start to join this community where I like to call it the self-actualizing, self-evaluating, introspective community, which also happens to be synonymous with the practice of yoga in many, many ways. And of course, you listening to this episode on Yoga Podcast just illuminates the idea that you are tuned in, right? And many of us who begin this journey of learning about self-discovery, especially healing past traumas and really wanting to set up the future part of our lives in a more productive and constructive, proactive manner, we've come across, I'm sure most of us, if not 100% of us, have come across the word shadow side. And maybe some of us have really delved deep into what that means. Maybe you're hearing about this for the first time, or maybe you're going to go deeper into this today. Now, this is a very, very deep topic, and I probably could have an entire series dedicated to it, but I think it's important to start to wrap your mind around it. Now, as a person who has been a trauma survivor and 
definitely a thriver now. One of the things that I learned about was for sure what is the shadow side and how does it apply to me and what do I need to do to work on it to become more aligned with my authentic self. Now, I know I'm dropping tons of buzzwords, you know, all these popular words we hear, but they all do ring a bell and they all do have a deeper connotation to them. So they're not just surface unless, of course, you want to keep them at the superficial level. Now, the shadow side is actually a part of what we can consider psychological work. (laughs) So there is a theory that was really put into place by Carl Jung. And Carl Jung is one of those godfathers of psychology up there with Freud. And rather you have studied psychology or not, I'm sure you've heard of Freud, right? The Freudian slip. (laughs) Well, Carl Jung is another very important and influential person in the structure, the science of psychology. But he had some different perspectives, although some still very much aligned with Freud. He had a different take on what we are as human beings when it comes to our psychological selves. And one of the things that is really interesting about what they call Carl Jung or Jungian, I hope I'm saying that right, is his type of psychology is really representative by archetypes. And he utilizes these four major archetypes to describe human behavior. And he does support what we would call subconscious. Um, I guess he has like this thought process about your subconscious self coming to the forefront of your conscious awareness. Now, in spiritual speak, we think of that as more of an awakening, right? But from a scientific perspective, it is really just confrontational. So being able to approach yourself in a very intuitive way. And we'll talk about that here momentarily. But first, let's go ahead and let's chat about what these four archetypes are. Now, Carl Jung, rather you follow his work, you subscribe to it, this is the first time you're hearing about it or not, it is out there, meaning it is a big part of how the psychological perspectives as founded by psychology and the study of the human mind it is a big part of he has contributed to that subject and that topic in a big way is what I'm trying to say. Because I know that Carl Jung, just like Freud, is um, polarizing for some. But, you know, hang in there with me as I'm going to wrap this back to a place that I think is really important for your yoga off of the mat. So he has these four archetypes that are the major archetypes of his teachings. Now he has 12 in total and you can delve deeper into that if that's something that piques your interest. But the four that he does focus on, I think we've all pretty much subscribed to in one way or another, rather we understood its origins or who have studied it or who has advanced it or not. And the first is the persona. And of course, it's how it sounds, it's how you represent yourself, how you present 
yourself to the world. And it's actually derived from a Latin word that literally means mask. It is not a literal mask, however, obviously, right? But it is how you present yourself socially. So what is the mask that you wear? And of course, I will have episodes linked in today's show notes. I have some episodes from early in the days of yoga podcast, almost three years ago. I can't believe it. Over what, 350 some odd episodes ago, where I delved deeper into revealing your true nature, your true self, wearing the mask. And we all do it because we are born as survivors. And in order to survive, we have to learn how to present. Now, one of the cool things is once you've healed many parts of who you were growing up, you know, we all have faced different levels of trauma It's really awesome to be able to now start to look for and identify your most authentic self. And you do that through the art of vulnerability. However, part of survival is having a persona that helps protect you in day-to-day life. And even if you don't think you have one, you do, right? You've had to interview to get into your college, university, job, employer, employment, um, to gain clients, to get a romantic mate, so on and so forth. So we all present our best foot forward. Rather, we understand that we do or not, it is a part of that persona. Now, Carl Jung believes that it represents this part of us that shields the ego from negative images. He believes that the persona may actually appear in dreams and take different forms. Now remember, Freudian philosophy or psychology believed in that subconscious, unconscious, dreamlike state as well, except he kind of geared a little bit more toward the meaning of it representing something from more of a sexual perspective. Not in all cases, but that is what's most influential about his work. And with Young, he sort of believes in this as being a manifestation of your personality, right? So it's not necessarily derived from how you feel from a sexual perspective or in some ways a creative or sacral chakra perspective if we want to make that connection back to yogic philosophy. Now, over the course of development, children learn that they must behave in certain ways in order to fit in with society's expectations and norms. And the persona develops as a social mask to contain all of the primitive urges, impulses, and emotions that are not considered socially acceptable. So the persona archetype allows people to adapt to the world around them and to fit in with the society in which they live. However, becoming too closely identified with this archetype can actually lead people to lose sight of their true selves. And then his next archetype, which is the topic of today's episode, which is the shadow, is an archetype that consists of the sex and life instincts. And the shadow exists as part of the unconscious mind and is composed of repressed ideas, weaknesses, desires, instincts, and shortcomings. 
Now, the shadow forms out of our attempts to adapt to cultural norms and expectations. It is this archetype that contains all of the things that are unacceptable, not only to society, but also to one's own personal morals and values. It might include things such as envy, greed, prejudice, hate, and aggression. Young suggested that the shadow can appear in dreams or visions and may take a variety of forms. It might appear as a snake, a monster, a demon, a dragon, or some other dark, wild, or exotic feature. Now, this archetype is often described as the darker side of the psyche, representing wildness, chaos, and the unknown. Now, this latent or these latent dispositions are present in all of us, he believed, Young believed. And although people sometimes deny this element of their own psyche and instead project it onto others, I think that's really key. And that's what we were talking about in the romantic love and yoga episode. Now, he has a couple of more, which we'll go ahead and cover the other one, the third one, is the anima or animus, and it is a feminine image in the male psyche, and the animus, or I should say the anima, is a female Im- um, image in the male psyche, and the animus is a male image in the female psyche. Now, the anima animus represents the true self rather than the image we present to others and serves as the primary source of communication with the collective unconscious. Now, Jung believed that psychological changes as well as social influences contributed to the development of sex roles and gender identities. Now, we do see in today's society, especially in Western society, that this veil is lifting, right? We hear of the words fluid, um, fluidity, and sexual expression, sexual identification. So this could make an assumption if you're following young psychology um, and his philosophies that we are actually being more in tuned to our shadow side. Therefore, we're doing the work and we're able to manifest our more subconscious, unconscious selves into the forefront, therefore representing ourselves more authentically, right? Now, this is happening on a collective or as a collective, but we still have individual work to do, right? collective awakening does not represent one person on their own. Although beautiful to see the acceptance and compassion that is awakened by the collective, right? From a chakra perspective, that would mean that we feel safe and secure with the root chakra. We feel creative and identify with our sexuality from the sacral chakra. We feel empowered with the solar plexus. And then we're at the heart chakra, which allows us to have that compassion for self and for others, which then would suggest that we are moving up into the throat chakra where we can speak our truths, but also be open to listen to the truths of others. And then, of course, have the third eye or intuitive side of self, which allows us to truly tap in to another place to be able to see things more clearly And then, of course, the crown chakra, which for some can be total enlightenment or for most just spiritual awakening. Right. And I don't mean it just, but from a grandier 
more perspective, but also enlightenment could be, I don't know, unattainable as human beings for most of us, right? So back to the anima and animus. So he suggested, Jung suggested that the influence of the animus and anima archetypes were also involved in this process. According to Jung, the animus represents the masculine aspect in women, while the anima represented the feminine aspect in men. So just reiterating that. Now, these Archetypal images are based upon both what is found in the collective and personal unconscious, which I was just going off on a tangent about, right? Now, the collective unconsciousness may contain notions about how women should behave, while personal experience with wives, girlfriends, sisters, and mothers contribute to more personal images of women. In many cultures, however, men and women are encouraged to adapt or adopt, I should say, adopt and adapt to traditional and often rigid gender roles. Young suggested that this discouragement of men exploring their feminine aspects and women exploring their masculine served to undermine psychological development. Now, the combined anima and animus is known as this divine coupling, which represents completion, unification, and wholeness. And then last but certainly not least of the four is the self. And the self is an archetype that represents the unified unconsciousness and consciousness of an individual. Young often represented the self as a circle, square, or mandala. Now, creating the self occurs through a process known as individualization. And in which the various aspects of personality are integrated. And Jung believed that the disharmony between the unconscious and the conscious mind could lead to psychological problems. So bringing these conflicts into awareness and accommodating them in conscious awareness was an important part of the individualization process. Now, Jung suggested that there were two different centers of personality, one being the ego, which makes up the center of consciousness, but it is the self that lies at the center of personality. And then two, the personality encompasses not only consciousness, but also the ego and the unconscious mind. So you can think of this by imagining a circle with a dot right at the center. The entire circle makes up the self where the small dot dot in the middle represents the ego. Now for Young, the ultimate aim was for an individual to achieve a sense of cohesive self. And this is, of course, a concept of self-actualization, which if you've heard of Maslow, he has a concept that is actually dedicated to this. And it's a He's a psychologist. His name is Abraham Maslow, and he was known for his hierarchy of needs. And he had this nine characterizations of self-actualized people, which we will talk about on a different episode in the future. So now let's talk about the shadow side. And one of the quotes that I love from Carl Jung is that he says, how can I be substantial if I do not cast a shadow? I must have a dark side also if I am to be whole. And I love this because this is something you can really meditate on and decide where you fit into that paradigm. Now, some of the things that we think about is 
well, we're going to talk about in deeper context, what is a shadow and how we do shadow work and all of that. But one of the things that we have to remember is that it is something that becomes a part of not only our psychological framework, but our biological framework. Okay. So let's, let's delve deeper into this, shall we? (laughs) How do we do this work and how do we get to know and integrate our dark side. Now this sounds very creepy, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I want to do any shadow work, but really it's about acknowledging the skeletons in the closet, right? We all have them. You can't just get rid of your shadow. You can't run from your shadow. Many people try, you know, that's where a lot of addictions are born from and being depressed and other disorders and It's important to release trauma, and this is a big part of that as well. You know, keeping in mind that you shouldn't feel shame, you shouldn't feel anything but acceptance for who you are in your journey, and there's a lot of work that may need to take place before you can really start to dive head uh, first into shadow work. Um, I do suggest if the concepts that we talk about in today's episode seem to be a bit, um, I don't know, displeasing or even um, feel like it's stirring up some anxiety or some stress in the body and the mind, you can go into this step by step just by gently beginning to acknowledge that we all are collectively engaged in this work, whether it's consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously, I should say. And when you do something from an unconscious perspective, then you're not able to not only grow and learn, but um, on some way, I think, be proactive. You're more reactive whenever you're not ahead of what's happening in your mind, in your body. And part of trauma work is identifying where you are in your Uh, like on your scale of one to a hundred, you know, a hundred being really traumatized, whatever that means for you. And one being, you know, thriving, right? So we want to not be in survival mode. We want to be in thriving mode, but it is a process. So again, be patient and allow yourself to learn a little bit at a time. Um, One of the things that I teach my clients that I work with on trauma awakening and awareness is just to gently begin to journal, you know, just acknowledging your feelings, no matter what they are, just getting them down. Sometimes it serves to burn that very piece of paper that you're jotting your thoughts down on. But again, it's important to just start somewhere. So I've talked about trauma and how to utilize yoga and and allow it to inform your practice of recovery from trauma, but also how trauma can inform your practice of yoga and how the two can meet up to create a very beautiful healing forward moving progress solution. So um, definitely check out the show notes, okay? 
So let's go ahead and let's get back to this. So everyone carries this dark side, right? Even if we're not openly aware to admit that, shadow work can actually sound very scary, as I mentioned, and some parts actually could be uncomfortable. I know for me, I've had to do some shadow work where I used to suppress some of the memories that I didn't want to acknowledge of actions that I had taken. And I finally just had to acknowledge them and tell myself that when you know better, you do better. Or um, that was where I was at that time in my life or that was the influence I was under, whatever the case may be, right? And it's necessary to really get to that place for a ton of different reasons. One is just the healing that I was talking about, but also... The body has a very interesting way biologically to respond to stress. And one is to develop sort of like, um, I think, little. I, I'm just thinking of little soldiers battling, you know, like on a cellular level. And I've talked about that in other episodes. But really, it can start to manifest itself in unpleasant ways, whether that's from a health perspective with disease, um, mental health issues, which I talked about, could be addictions or depressions or other type of issues, as well as just feelings of low self-worth or having a scarcity mindset. Um, You'd be surprised where things manifest. And again, the chakra system I utilize to help me always figure out where I am if I'm not sure and I need a little bit of a check, you know what I mean? Like a quality of life check. And our shadow self seems to do more harm than good when it lives in this repressed mode. So it's important that we allow ourselves to acknowledge it so that we're not blocking ourselves from reaching our true potential in this lifetime. So... Again, it's this hidden part of our being. And so anything that you can think of right now that you are doing the work on from your shadow side is literally doing the work. You're taking it out of the shadow self, technically. And anything that is unconscious at this time is actually still in your shadow. So as I record this episode, I have plenty of things that I'm aware of that used to live in my shadow that I've brought out and I'm creating a more um, connection with my own true self, my true nature. But there are still things that live in the shadow, right, that I have to uncover. And some of those things could be biases, right? You, You can learn how you feel about things by just acknowledging your reaction, right? If you... What are you afraid of? Who are you afraid of? What quote unquote type of human or things or places or situations frighten you, cause you fear, anxiety? Those might lead you to thinking about maybe where you have your own shadows. And you may have very good reason, right? If you have true fear of something, there could be a cause that created that fear. Maybe something traumatic happened and now you associate everything that connects you back to that experience with um, your own biasy. 
that is something that lives in your shadow that you need to acknowledge if it's causing you, and in most cases it could be, causing you to not live your authentic self or to be able to live a better quality of life. So you can kind of see how this can keep unpacking itself and it could take a lot of different therapies um, and just different therapeutic work to be able to get to the actual core of what the situation may be. Or it could be something that you can openly acknowledge once you just begin to tap into it as well. So it could be very surface on the other surface side of your shadow, or it could be really, really, really deep, 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 deep underneath the surface. So we all have that, right? Because again, we all have a persona. And again, Acknowledging your persona and discovering what masks you're wearing and why could also lead to shadow work, okay? But in the grander scheme of the word, it's really that side of you that is the dark side, right? The spooky side of you, the things that would take you out of character, so to speak. Um, the things that you would think make you a bad person. And again, air quotes when I say bad, because that, again, that label is what keeps you in the persona, keeps you from self-actualization, keeps you from manifesting your quality of life that you deserve, and it keeps you in the shadow. So, it's like a catch-22. We have a way of thinking and we have our belief systems and we have this entire new concept that most of us were not raised to really truly understand because our parents are still living the same human experiences as well. And so for many of us, this work is new terrain. And for most of us, it it sounds doable and it sounds feasible and it sounds um, like it's worth the time and energy it's going to take. But as you start to delve deeper into your own like murky waters, you might discover that it's easier for you to stay where you can see the surface. But you have to believe that that's not, you know, that's not conducive to really making a true, true connection back to self, okay? So another quote that Carl Jung have that I really like is, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate, which just puts an exclamation mark and or a period at the end of my last sentence before that quote. You know, that is the reason why shadow work is important. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Okay? So again, you do not want to go through your life attempting to hide your shadows. That's what society really tells us to do. But collective awakening that we're all experiencing together today is discovering what that pain was that caused us to hide in the shadow and repress the feeling of pain, right? To build up the survival that biologically our bodies are designed to do to keep us alive when we felt uncomfortable. So we begin to tell ourselves stories, we begin to create boundaries, 
And it's important that we begin to see the truth and we begin to live our lives in a way where we know and we trust that we can overcome, right? So our greatest success or potential is to uncover all of this, right? So shadow work is essential to a fully lived life. It's not that we should just focus on the good parts of our lives, right? You know, which feels light, joyful, easy, and happy, just focusing on gratitude. Now, I do believe that one of the preliminary steps into overcoming this repression of trauma, pain, um, all of that is to seek out gratitude, right? That's almost like step one. Once you feel safe and secure, you should look for reasons to be happy with where you're at in life. And you can do that by expressing true moments that are hopefully not just superficial, but deep gratitude, right? Whatever that looks like for you. Yes, some superficial gratitude is very healthy um, and needed, especially when you have trouble looking for something a little bit more substantial. If you're going through something really challenging, you know, illness, death of friends, family, loved ones, it's hard to stay focused on things you're grateful for. So that's where we can just be grateful for running water, right? Um, But essentially, that is a great place to begin. But that isn't where we want to live. We don't want to just live in a place of blissfulness where all we're doing is acknowledging things that make us happy because when something does start to creep up from the unconscious world, right? Remember through dreams, through visions, things of that nature, then we end up finding ourselves catapulted to the opposite side of the spectrum from where we were trying to stay superficially happy. So it is important in order to really live in a place of peace to confront the shadow. Now the pain and suffering we see around us in the world are often mirrored by our internal pain and suffering. We all have these aspects within us one way or another. So for example, the road you take to work each day is littered. You can either take action to work with your town to face this issue, inform people not to litter and enforce a solution, or it can be, or you know, you can continue to add to the problem by littering yourself, or you can decide that you're never going to litter, right? Those are like your options. Now, the same goes for everything else. You can decide that you are becoming polluted and littered and you can either attack that, you can either continue to contribute to that by allowing your emotions to lead you astray and cause you to act out. Remember, I mean, emotions are just reactions, so to speak, or you can decide that you're just going to focus on gratitude, which is kind of like, I'm just going to... um not litter myself. It's better to try to clean up the situation in a proactive way than to be either reactive or complacent, right? And so shadow work may actually seem counterintuitive on the outside because you have to face your pain instead of running away from it. But as I've been trying to express in lots of different ways, this process actually works by allowing yourself to feel and to understand the painful aspects of yourself so that they can become fully integrated instead of treating it like a castaway. So it does take courage. It takes you to have an open heart. 
And it takes you to learn valuable tools to be able to handle what comes up during this shadow work. Now, why do you want to even master your shadow self? Well, other than everything else I've been talking about, one of the coolest things is peace. And what is that really? It's emotional freedom, right? We all learn about wanting to live our most authentic selves and and to be able to really connect back to ourselves in a deeper way. But one of the results of that is not only creativity, which is really important, right? That's the passion of existence, but emotional freedom. You know, you tend to have improved relationships through understanding yourself. So you're able to accept others, right? You increase your energy and improve your immune system. You have overall enhanced state of well-being and mood, better communication with others, ability to set boundaries in your life, and you seize the cycle of self-destruction. And especially if you're a parent or plan on becoming a parent or you're a mentor or guardian of children, it's a really amazing way to be able to pay it forward because you would have been able to understand things from such a subatomical level that you can really lead by example in a deep, deep way. Now, you can actually use shadow work in your life by, as I mentioned earlier, journaling. It's one of the best tools to start when engaging in shadow work. Also, just writing. I actually, when I first started on my journey without knowing I had started on my journey, I wrote an entire novel in a span of a summer. I think it was about two to two and a half months. And this was back, oh my gosh, I think, sheesh, 2009 is when I wrote my novel. And it is a fictional novel that was based on truths of my life and my thoughts and different experiences but kind of all meshed together into this girl's coming to age coming of age story and it's so personal to me that novel I wrote that you know and it's funny because it's called Dark Daisy and maybe one day I will publish it And it's called Dark Daisy, and I never knew anything about shadow work or anything of that nature until many years later. But now that I've learned all of these things that I talk about on yoga podcasts, I'm able to look back and go, wow, when I wrote that, and I almost wrote it from just instinct, just one day I was typing and I typed up an entire novel, and I've since... um, had the pleasure of sharing it with people who are important to me and close to me in my life and getting their feedback and so on and so forth. But I didn't realize that that was the first step in releasing so much that had happened in my life prior to. That was definitely a Freudian slip. Boom, 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 right? Um, But essentially, writing and journaling is one of the best tools to just start to get into that unconscious side of self you know just allow yourself to tell a story and then decide many moons later if that story was representative of your shadow side and a part of your healing process or if it was just a way to let things come up to the surface and let things go i was just recently talking to a good friend of mine shout out to nikki 
And she's been running. She's been running miles and miles and miles. And she said how much it's been transforming her. And she's cried on her trails. And it sounds like shadow work, right? She's been, and she's very spiritually awakened and in tuned and self-actualized and introspective. So I do not doubt for her that that is a moving meditation. I too have utilized running in that same capacity as well. And for me, running was less about uncovering my unconscious and shadow work like my writing was, but more about really delving deeper into gratitude and appreciation, which again goes hand in hand in those beginning steps of shadow work. Now, obviously where yoga comes in is yoga is teaching us about all of these concepts in so many different ways in the sutras of Patanjali, in the eight limbs of yogic philosophy, in asana practice, moving of the body, in the poses and the postures, as well as meditation and pratyama with breath work. And it allows us to begin to open up to whatever. Yoga is not something that you should script but more or less something you should allow to freelance into your life. And what do I mean by that? You have an intention that you can set for every single practice, whatever practice of yoga you're engaged in on and off of the mat, right? An intention for your day can be a huge part of yogic philosophy and practice. But you should also have room for things to naturally evolve to be able to come to you and for you to be able to, I think, meditate on in consideration later. So having an intention, but also having a point of reflection. And it's not always based on that intention that was originally set. You know, intentions are coming from a place of what we understand to be. And reflection is coming from a place of where we've learned to grow from, right? It's a learning process. So you can begin to utilize yoga in a way that allows you to decipher where you're at at any given moment. Again, utilizing the chakra system is a great way to allow yourself to do that as well. So not only are you able to delve deeper into parts of yourselves that you have repressed, parts of yourself that you have denied, Parts of yourself that you perceive as inferior, maybe even unacceptable, maybe even evil. Parts of yourself that you have chosen to decide is incompatible with that persona, that mask that we all are forced to wear. Your part of yourself that you've disowned. Part of yourself that you no longer claim to be you or your own. Even Parts of yourself that for some could be considered positive, but for you, you consider to not be. Parts of yourself that you have tried to get rid of, that you have tried to eliminate, that you have tried to cover up or disengage from, or even manipulated. Parts of yourself that you consider to be a failure, that you consider to be the reason why you are not who you wish to be. It is time you are ready. If you're listening to this episode on purpose or by chance, it was all a part of 
the plan for you to really begin to think about where you are currently incompatible with self. And in doing so, you'll begin to allow yourself to heal and to really find self-love in a deeper way. When you can love that deepest, darkest part of self, as much as you love all the things that you're willing to blast and share in front of the world, then you will know you have arrived to a new place of awakening. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode, that it at least got you thinking about who you are on a deeper level. And just remember that we are all, 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 all of us on the same journey of self-actualization. Some of us are in different places on the journey. Some of us are closer to really understanding our purpose. Some of us are just getting out there on the trail and some of us are just discovering that there even is a trail. So wherever you are on the journey, wherever your loved ones are on the journey, remember to have compassion and remember that the goal is to truly have peace, to truly be able to experience highest, highest, highest levels of creativity and to have emotional freedom. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste. Namaste.